Hello, sir. Talk about shampoo. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's really, if you look through the nightly news and Twitter, it's really what the world is asking for right now. This uh, movie about a bunch of affluent white people having sex with each other. It makes me feel better. We have this political thing tonight. Could you call me out at the house? Sure. Actually, we went to the bank? Yeah. For a long? Yeah. You really want your own shot? Yeah. Why don't you see Lester? What? Your husband? Yes. What about? The shop. I think you'd be a good investment. I don't mind telling you. Hey, listen, baby, I'm a star. I'm a star. George. Hey, hey baby. Uh, I see a lot of police. I already said hello. Oh. George, when can we talk? Well, right in the middle of work now. I know, but this is important. I have a decision to make. How about whether or not I'm going? Going where? Egypt. Oh, honey, uh, did they offer you the job yet? No, but I, but I think they might. Uh, wait, wait a minute, I'll be right. I don't know why I need George, is she the one with the pancreaticals? I don't know. Uh, they didn't offer you the job. I yet? still want your feelings about it. Uh. After work, can we talk after work? But I never know when you're working and when you're not Neither working. Do I, baby. George, George, do you know what that Lillian Berkovici just did? Right after I sprayed her, she touched it. Then she played it and made it all into something else. Now I don't know what it is. You know, you just gotta be, stand talk to her on the phone. Jill. She alright? Yeah, she's fine. Anyway, I really think you would be a good investment. Great. I wouldn't tell Esther if I didn't think so. I mean, it. I mean it or I wouldn't say it. Hey, Dennis. Felicia looks great, doesn't huh? Right. Yay. Actually, I have a phone pick with you. About? Not about, you know, anything that's going on in the world because I don't feel like you have that much hour or you know hopefully you wouldn't be wasting your time uh, doing this but uh i feel like th- there's a two-pronged attack here uh, your love of hal ashby and trying to get me to to share that love um <laughs> which i don't know if you noticed i put up uh i i went back because I, I didn't want to re-watch harold mod so i just listened to right. our old podcasts on it or that section <laughs> sure. of it and uh, boy, you know, that, that's when we had a guest on, and you and the guest just spend the better part of thirty minutes just lecturing me um, on how awesome Harold is, and how both of you wish that he was your uh, your son, you know, your <laughs> your, your uh, star star child, so so talented in his attempts at suicide. And uh, I think I can pinpoint back probably to that moment in our relationship where Chris Maynard was never going to convince me to have kids because I'm like, this just sounds <laughs> terrible. If this is what this it comes is what to, happens. Mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> waxing poetic about this little creep uh, doing all these uh, little pranks around the house, like it's a, a really sad, morbid version of Home Alone. Not for me. And, okay, and so is shampoo the? I, I guess that sort of depending on your read of the film, it could either support or undercut that argument. Well, I, so going back to my two-pronged attack, I mm-hmm. felt like you were picking on me for trying to bring you to my erotic thriller <laughs> side of things and what I like in film because this is one of the more depressing 
sex romps, if you want to call it that, where <laughs> I, there's not even one sequence. Like of, well, there's it, it opens with uh, moaning, groaning in bed, mm. uh, darkness. You know, we got the credits start to roll. You know, it's a it's a Warren Beatty joint here, and so we're about to about to see the goods. And I guess you get a little bit of man butt from him um, in a sort of a comedy of error sequence where they're trying to uh, fake like he's giving a, a steam haircut. Mm-hmm. About you know, the way through, uh, but no, even that sex act is already haggard, Beatty, uh, knowing that he's got to get back to his version of domesticated life with his girlfriend, Goldie Hawn. Mm-hmm. So he's in a rush, he's tired, he's not present, and then he's gonna go home to her and not be present with her either. And I'm like, oh, this is this is Maynard's version of. Like you know, eroticism in film is just being t- so tired that no, you can't no, even no, enjoy see, it. You missed the point of this at all, uh, completely. You, you were close, but this is actually our relationship. Uh, and I'm Goldie Hawn, and you're Warren Beatty. Okay, you got me dead to rights there because often, <laughs> often... You're, you're, you're running around everywhere, but you're not getting anywhere. <laughs> I I did, that, that was one of the notes I took. From from this, I'm I'm trying to uh, apply this in some way to uh, you know our current time. So getting rid of the you know far more important and troubling matters uh, is Warren Beatty here the uh, I guess the original sort of side hustle guy, where <laughs> it's like what was supposed to be his hobby and passion consumes him and he loses all enthusiasm for it, for, for something that is supposed to be his like dream, dream job. It appears that way. It's also, I think that one of the bigger things here is how Warren Beatty's really screwing with his image of the time of being a ladies man and how kind of absurd that idea is. And he's for lack of a better term, he's the dumb blonde, uh, the bimbo of this movie. Yeah. Jack Warden is really the, uh, the guy that's got it all together. (laughs) <laughs> he's the one that can actually handle that. He can, he can, he has, I'm, well, I guess I'm giving him credit here that he has two speeds, <laughs> like scummy and like magnanimous and his scumminess, I guess would be the other, yeah, well, the other version. Yeah. He, he's the scumminess is consistent and he's just either hiding it or being forthright. <laughs> and we, we see him showing himself for his true colors when he has the, uh, confrontation with Warren Beatty and it's somehow charming in a weird way, probably more charming than Warren Beatty is in the whole film. It's a weird sort of attaboy, like pat on the yeah. back, like <laughs> job well done. Can't hold it against you. Cause I'm going to win in the end anyway. So that that's the version of the, the man who has everything that's not going to kick in every other regard someone who is his superior, certainly his genetic superior. He's not going to kick this guy <laughs> when he's down. Cause it's like, it, it was strange. The, the whole movie is slightly off putting that it's asking me to find peak warm Beatty, which means one of the, the sexiest creatures to ever walk this planet to feel sympathy for him and his affairs. Do do you feel sympathy for him? I never really do. Oh, I did. absolutely film. did, and I think it's because because uh, in my mind, when I watch movies, I'm always <laughs> aspiring to be that guy. It's like, ooh, I want to be him. <laughs> like, if I want to be sad and I want to lose at the end, if I don't want to get the girl, at least I want to look like that. And when he's weeping, 
I want to I want to oh. know that uh, you know there's there's something else just around the corner because it, it doesn't matter <laughs> if he's blubbering and there's snot running down his face. Someone's going to take a chance on him, and I, I like that comfort factor from my matinee idols. I I mean, as much as I was uh, charmed by Jack Warden, uh, I don't want to be Lester here. So of course, <laughs> yeah, of course, I have sympathy for Beatty. That's who I want to be. See, it's the the whole scene at the end when he's going and asking Julie Christie to run away with him, and she more or less just laughs in his face, saying, "No, this this guy's got money. We're leaving. We're we're on a plane right now. You need to get out of here." And the fact that he couldn't see their relationship for what it was, he's a pretty pathetic character. And I think that this is the a film, if you're looking at it, if Hal Ashby's, uh, if you look at Harold and Maude, maybe this is, you know, Harold grown up and kind of laughing oh, at no. the, oh, no, no, the no, jock. No, no, no. I I will not accept that at all. No, no, no. no. Not, not, not Warren Beatty grown up, but Hal Ashby is now taking this turn behind the camera to laugh at the jock that, you know, kind of mm. run the high, that ran the high school from the point of view of that, of, uh, of that nerdy outcaster and kind of, you know, look how absurd this lifestyle is. Um, so none of the dark comedy in this, that kind of, that works for you at all. You didn't enjoy the movie on that level. Oh, no, I love the movie. I just, okay. I just did not, it was not, uh, cause I had stayed away from it and I didn't, it's not like, you know, back then, uh, in my, formative years of like seeking out films that I was like, Hal Ashby, fuck this guy. Cause I, I'd said, and thankfully I, I, I put that back in our feed, uh, that I'd also stayed away from Harold and Maude because I was like, well, that definitely appears off putting to me. <laughs> like I know the premise, I can see these two on the box art. I want none of that, uh, which was strange re-listening to that conversation where I kind of warmed to the idea of those two actually boning. Uh, but the rest of it is what I couldn't get behind shampoo. I think I was judging it. Uh, the Kevin it, Smith story. I don't know what is the Kevin Smith story. It's the whole. This is based on that um, John Peters. Got John Peters exactly, yeah. and so he would he he when he would tell that story about you know pitching uh, Superman mm. to John Peters, he always mentioned um, in that long diatribe that he the movie Shampoo was loosely based on him, and so that was the thing that piqued my interest that this hairdresser that ended up married to um, Barbara Streisand, I think, and then um, had Warren Beatty playing him in a movie. So that had to be an interesting character. And so around that time period, I saw this. And then since I picked up the Criterion disc, uh, got about a year ago or so, I've watched the movie probably once every other month. Wow. Okay. So this is, I would not expect that from you. It it must be the, the sad bastard elements of this well, <laughs> keep bringing you it's back. Kinda, it's kind of a, um, I like movies that kind of just wander around um, like this to throw on in the background. And when you hear something, you can kind of come in, tune in for a few minutes, walk out of the room and come back. And this has such a breezy movie. Um, despite Warren Beatty's attempts at making it a kind of frenetic pace with the way he's running around everywhere. It does just kind of feel, it makes sense that with the pacing of this, that Linkletter went on to, you know, mm. essentially continue one of his films. So I thought that, you know, this could have felt, I think that Linkletter could have made a movie like this or could make a movie like this. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see that. It, I mean, it has that, that feel that this guy is, is fighting uh, against the current here. Like he seems mm-hmm. someone who should be totally comfortable in the the time the time period, but is is not like he has a line 
Uh, it's one of his many like breakdowns. Like you, actually, you, uh, you and Ashby here, I guess, are like the bullies uh, bullying poor, <laughs> poor beautiful uh, Warren Beatty. Uh, and his hair. He's got a lot of hair in this. I really enjoyed that, that they amped that up. It's like uh, you know, if you watch Commando with Arnold, you know he's going to get even bigger for Commando. So well, you can't you can't have a movie called Shampoo without you know really putting that front and center. Yeah, it couldn't be like a Clooney, like that. You know, he had that like ER sort of Caesar cut forever, which is like just very boring. Like, there's no way Beatty had to like really go for it here, and I, I appreciate that. But there's a uh, another, I guess, as you would call, pathetic sequence I really liked, where Goldie Hawn is really giving it to him as far as like, you know, when are you gonna grow up? Which is interesting because uh, on the like the face of it, he seems to be the one who is trying to grow up as far as like. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants to be a small business owner. He wants to stop working for this guy that he doesn't respect and doesn't seem to respect him in this, you know, glamorous John Peters hairdressing world where he's a rock star <laughs> and the other guy's like a putz uh, and a hack. And he, like, he, he even has a line. I wrote this down because it was it struck me as strange. I, I like that you said that you kind of just throw it on because when uh, I was I was waiting for you on the Skype call, I'm like, I'm just going to put this on. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to like have time to watch it all again, but I, I wanted to get like sort of a sense of the, the scenes again, because some of the bigger moments stick out. But here was one that, that didn't on initial watch where, uh, he, he's just like slumps down on the bed and just like laments to her. Like, it's almost like he's admitting something he should feel guilty of that. He just wants a normal life. Yep. Which I guess probably is, uh, you know, it's heresy, I guess in the late sixties. <laughs> well, you. There's the uh, there. I think that that's actually really good that you kind of that moment because it also ties in to him later when he's confronted and he says, "I'm not anti-establishment," and so he there's just an assumption that he is this thing. You know, he doesn't have any problems sitting around the Nixon rally and all these things. And I think it's just all that is put in the film to really show how this guy's clueless and just wandering through life. And I think that that's really the politics of the movie is that because we weren't paying attention, look at what we got into. So I think that's how a movie like this is actually relevant today. Yeah. Um, on that note where I, I missed the point on things, which I enjoy. <laughs> that's, you know, that's the moments of levity I, I like in my life. A lot of time though. <laughs> I had a question for you. So is the lesson sure. from this movie that if I go to a Republican election party, that a beautiful drunk blonde woman will insist on giving me a blowjob in front of everyone there. Is that is that what Hal Ashby was trying to teach me as a uh, you know lifelong Democrat? It's probably not going to happen at the Green Party rally. <laughs> the Green Party rally. <laughs> you know my uh, liberal views only go so far as far as which <laughs> which parties I will go to. Uh, you know I, I may be able to agree with you, but I don't know if I want to attend uh, with that particular gathering of people. Um, I I wondered, uh, and I, I usually, well, I used to. That used to be one of my bits. I would throw you under the bus and be like, how'd this play when this came out? I would try to play the, the age card. But since I'm sure. fast approaching 40, notice that that material has kind of, <laughs> I've kind of dropped that from my act. <laughs> <laughs> but I did wonder, like, it's so specific and so pointed that this comes out in 75, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That yep. they decide to really, like, you know, hammer that point home that's like this is the the late sixties and we were about to arrive uh with uh, Nixon as president. Like, you know, that's he's his face pops up. I mean that's that's where you're getting I guess an attempted blowjob as among yeah. all the older Republicans. 
and I was trying to read up on how it was initially received, and it's strange. Oscar nominated, and it made a ton of money. Yeah, but it's like the critics didn't really go to bat for it. Like, you know, Rotten Tomatoes only has 35 reviews, but it's only a 60%. <laughs> well, and Rotten Eber- Tomatoes, is that from the older? Oh, is that the original I, reviews I or think is that so. people revisiting? Because uh, if it says 35, I'm like, God, I hope there wasn't <laughs> – I hope in 75 there wasn't like five reviews and that was all <laughs> we had. But they, they prominently mentioned Ebert as one of them that uh, called it a disappointment. Um, hmm. So I, I, it's strange to me to see that because I, I totally agree with you as far as like the timelessness of it, which is the reason I stayed away from it was I thought this would be a time capsule in the worst way where I'm like, oh, I want I, I, nothing to do with that. You look at the the cover and the hairdresser thing and it's like, you know, we're going to look back at the late 60s and that just sounds – it sounds like um, <laughs> like Don Draper – uh, selling me the sixties. <laughs> well, it, it, I didn't expect it to connect. I didn't expect to connect with the film and really enjoy it the way I did. It was for those exact reasons that I kind of wanted to see the film. The more I found out about it, that it was, this was a thing that actually exists. This is something that, wow, those people were goofy. This is going to be like mm-hmm. going back and watching, you know, to me, a film like easy rider. I, I think time has not been kind to, I tried so, watching that one once and I, I couldn't get into it. I couldn't, yeah. couldn't finish it. So I thought that it would just be kind of in a time capsule like that, like you were saying, that I would go back, look at this and go, wow, that 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 was something. And then, no, it's actually a really interesting film. And I when I went into it, I didn't know that Robert Town um, was the writer of the film. So and that him and Beatty had been developing this thing for a long time. So some of the elements with um, Nixon were put in later because this was released like right in the middle of Watergate and they started ramping up for it right after the election. Well, so town at this point we have uh, what Chinatown, Chinatown, right? right? Yeah, uh, and, and let's see, there were oh Parallax View was right damn. before that one. Um, I, just looking at his IMDb, but the one, uh, goddamn, he he was good friends with Beatty at Pierce because he did Heaven Can Wait also, uh, Ashby again with Eight Million Ways to Die, Greystoke, Frantic, Tequila Sunrise, Days there's, of okay. Thunder. There's your Tons opportunity. I was going to ask you now, sort of hat in hand, because. Uh, uh, listening back to our Harold and Maude uh, conversation, which actually, now that it's in your feed, dear listener, I don't know if I'd listen to that because uh, you talk about bullies. You and the, the <laughs> guest come across as like truly bullying me and leading me astray uh, to support something that I, I don't. I don't think I need to. You know, you you all you two would have been the original uh, Tumblr blogs as far as <laughs> supporting all manner of complaints. Uh, from from teenagers and uh, you know this this really shitty sort of complainy artwork. So I, I think that through my silence, I won that round. So let's look look at one thing here though, because now with Ashby, you have the landlord, you have shampoo, and you have mm-hmm. Hal, and you have uh, Harold and Maude. So you're you're two for three right now. I'm thinking not only right? two for three, but like the landlord and shampoo would have to be two like my favorite films of all time now. <laughs> So it's so, wild swings with these three. And I, and I think that when you see the last detail and 8 million ways to die, that that'll really put him over the top for you. Okay. That's what I was going to ask you. I, I'd never heard of 8 million ways to die until this oh, coming it, into this. So 8 million ways to die is when we had that spinoff podcast that we were talking about, uh, cocaine boners. <laughs> that was the movie. <laughs> One of the, the greatest failures of my life is that we came up with that. Just the title, really, and I immediately got the Twitter handle and I got the Gmail account, <laughs> and we've done nothing with it other than I think 
you when I followed you on Twitter, you realized that I quickly went to to get that <laughs> handle, and you like applauded it, and I retweeted that, and that's it. So if you go to at Cocaine Boners. You can go back to the exact, one tweet. <laughs> the exact night that you and I got really excited for this title. Not not so much doing the podcast, but yeah, the, I think that was, was that supposed to be our like history of Hollywood podcast. Like uh, exactly, you must remember yeah. <laughs> Cocaine Boners. <laughs> such a better title. <laughs> I mean, maybe I think pre- pretty much any movie that was directed from. 73 through 83 is probably going to fall under that category. Not a lot as of movies. As long as the director had a beard. so Yeah, a beard and balding, maybe a baseball cap. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Balding, but there was a, <laughs> a great trend in that time period of not accepting that you were balding, like growing it as long as possible <laughs> yep. on the sides and the back, uh, which uh, I don't have video on tonight. Chris, I'm getting there. <laughs> this, this no haircuts uh pandemic lifestyle i'm i'm starting to become a 70s filmmaker with absolutely none of the talent but i'm, I'm gonna have it's, that look so the the thing that i love about this is since the how the since we did harold and Maud in the what is how long ago is that seven years 22 years ago whenever we did that podcast yeah. um you've become hal ashby in your appearance it's not bad you know, I'm, I'm, I'm. At least the man had, uh, like, like when he was dealing with normal aged humans, he can, he could really square up on that. Those were the pitches to hit. Normal aged. Because <laughs> I, I was about to say adults, but I'm like, no, nah, Maud, Maud is, you know, she's an adult three times over, so I don't want to go that far. But you know, right in that middle age, uh, territory where I guess depression can still be mildly sexy. I don't like my depression if you're too young, and if you're too old, you should be over it by then. See. But yeah, I think you you liked the spectacular now though, didn't you? Is it, would you call that depression or just y- yeah? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you, you you don't think that he was acting out from depression in that film? So <laughs> you don't think you don't think that she was willing to put up with that? <laughs> she had some issues also. Yeah, she. I'll, I'll agree with you. I think uh, the Shailene Woodley character is far more interesting uh, than Miles Teller. Um, yeah. That being said, I relate more to Miles Teller. Like. <laughs> I can own up to that. <laughs> to kinda... Yeah, you're, you're the less interesting character that I see myself in. Got it. Uh, it was on one of those like uh, lists. I think God, uh, last year, but that feels like you know ten years ago, uh, where uh, you know people were like sharing like, hey, here are ten movies to like kind of uh, get to know me. Which some people just put like their favorites on, and mm-hmm. so I, th- I put Spectacular Now on there. And the, the only one that confronted me on it was. Uh, was was Hiro that I do uh, Marcus played with, and he was like yeah. spectacular. Now it's like do you you know he's like I know you you like to have are you good you like to have beers, but it's like did you you know were you like an alcoholic through high school? And I'm like no, I never even really touched the stuff when I was young. It's like so it's even worse. I was less sexy than that character. Um, I guess that's why you know now God we made, we made it 20 minutes on shampoo. That that is a record before we go to a completely other movie that has nothing to do with this filmmaker. So hats off to us. You know, we're doing good. That, that that's the mark of a really good film that it, it is. kept us on, yeah. <laughs> on mark for that long. So my 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 small I guess disagreement with you on spectacular now where uh, depression doesn't come to mind. Uh, is that I always saw myself in that character uh, without the alcohol. But when I was younger and in high school, 
Uh, I didn't have, and this is a discussion that me and Hiro actually had uh, about a, another movie that actually got to use Beatles songs, uh, which he forced me to watch. Can't Buy Me Love, which he... Oh, sure. Yeah. He asked me filmed here in Tucson. Well, he yeah. asked me to pass along if this was like your high school experience, if you like, dressed like <laughs> Patrick Dempsey. And I said, I'm just going to, I'm not, I don't even want to ask. I just want to assume that that's you Maynard riding the lawnmower, picking up all the chicks. So that was his assumption that that was me. I've had maybe, I think one interaction with Hiro where we actually talk to each other and he has me dead to rights. No I guess doubt. he just thought that can't buy me love is like, this is Tucson. <laughs> this is Tucson of the eighties. I, I went to, I, the thing is though, I lived in Delaware when I was in high school. You know, I, I actually remembered that cause that's part of the war machine versus war horse, uh, continuity part of the canon. Cause I remember <laughs> making fun of you about, uh, like playing or cruising around like the fox catcher farm. So I remember that being yeah, a bit right. for a while. <laughs> That's right, because I mentioned that I you could go drive around in those areas and look at those ridiculous mansions. And so, yeah, that became, oh, like when you used to drive around in the DuPont's mansions. Mm -hmm. Got it. Back when Maynard was on the Foxcatcher wrestling team. Of course. <laughs> um, where was I going? Spectacular now. That's it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So well, We should get back to shampoo eventually. Eventually. Guess, but, so. Okay. My my high school experience, which apparently differed from yours, wrestling in Delaware, different from Hiro's, that he had, I think, a more typical sort of like uh, bullying sort of outcast experience, or at least that's kind of what he was alluding to. Uh, mine coming from, from such a small town, which is very much like Spectacular now, is that there was less room for bullying because everyone knew everyone since you were a little kid. Like everyone had yeah. that shared experience. And, you know, it feels like like if you start to – put on airs and start trying to act superior to someone that you've known since you were like three or four, someone else is inevitably going to be like, why are you talking to him like that? Like we've all, we have all <laughs> grown up together as this like community. So the, the only like sort of, uh, uh, I guess sadness that I would have in my high school experience since it was fairly bully free was there was that feeling of, uh, just being sort of inconsequential to, to other people mm -hmm. and sort of taking, for granted and that like, Oh, you've always been around. And so that, that's the one thing that I sort of gleaned from spectacular now that I don't think, you know, that's, that's not how it was marketed was, uh, remove the alcoholism and, you know, he's, <laughs> which is a big part of it. Don't get me wrong. But like his relationship with, uh, Brie Larson is, she was like, Oh, you were kind of fun for this period of my life. But yeah, like, why would you ever think that I would, you know, that you would, continue on with me into adulthood like you know don't kind of and you know what i'll bring it back shampoo that like what you were saying earlier where we have these leading go. men who don't seem to get <laughs> that they're very small part <laughs> of these women's lives you are that guy aren't you uh well i'm, I'm definitely with shampoo where you feel like you're we're judging warren Beatty, and that's the guy that you want to see yourself as yeah. that you aspire to but i'm a lot closer to miles teller than warren Beatty. i can <laughs> i can recognize well, that okay and Miles Teller would take that as a great insult too, because I think he's got quite the ego from <laughs> what I've read. But he's he is not Warren Beatty. Sadly, I wanted to be the Patrick Dempsey, and I didn't even reach that level because I thought that he was cool. I had a pretty damn normal, well-adjusted, had friends upbringing. I was never picked on or bullied or anything like that, but I always felt that those were my people for some reason. So wait, you. You wanted to be the uh, you wanted to be more defiantly outcast in a way, like yeah, I think so. That is strange. And maybe it was the like you know, growing up listening to punk rock music and that kind of stuff. But really, in my heart, I was destined for suburbia 
And that was mm. kind of the thing that I was trying to fight against. But in my heart, I knew that's really what I wanted just to have a normal life. My younger brother, uh, I've got three brothers. So the one next to me, he, he got big into <laughs> suburbia, the movie, which I think you and I <laughs> talked about, which, which one, uh, not the, uh, eighties one, not the link letter one. Yeah. The, the link later one that's based okay. on the, is it the Bogosian uh, play? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. He got, yeah. he really okay. got into that. And I think he saw himself as, uh, uh, Giovanni Rubisi in that, you know, the one that's, <laughs> and, yeah. and I remember him like, I, cause I had no, I guess I just had no self-awareness of how I came across, especially to my <laughs> younger brother. And I was like, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I don't, I don't think I'm like in this type of thing. He's like, oh, you're definitely Nikki cat. <laughs> And I'm like, Jesus. I didn't know I made your life so hard that I just come in and like immediately challenge you to violence or question your masculinity. That, that, uh, that lines out to me. I could see that. Maybe. I don't know. I don't, I don't, right, you know what? Another movie. How about that? We're not going to get back shampoo. Cause I had this, I, I had this on the brain and I wanted to bring it up to you. Cause sure. I think it's a favorite that you and I share that is not, is not become shampoo for modern times. <clears throat> but okay. the closest thing I could think of to this, which was results with Kobe Smolders and Guy Pierce. And because, Oh my God. Yeah, I saw, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. You're wow. Yes, absolutely. Cause I saw yeah. Guy Pierce is, you know, he's a guy that's, he's a self-starter. He's trying to do something, but he has yeah. a complete lack of self-awareness about how he's interacting with people that are supposedly important in his life. And he has that sort of tunnel vision, which is a huge detriment to any interpersonal relationships that he has along the way. And it, it kind of made me sad. It made me sad when I saw results having no knowledge of shampoo, because you and I both really dug it. And, you know, you can just tell it's like one of those movies, even though it's got two incredibly attractive people in it, it's going to be boxed in and people are really going to have to fight for it. And it's just, unfortunately, you know, that came out five years ago. And I think it's even got worse as far as trying to get those type of, <laughs> those type of films to like break out because I don't, you know, results is even, I guess, less important than the shampoo. Like it doesn't have that. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't think anyone's going back to 2015, even though maybe we should have saying we're on the cusp of huge change. You know, it doesn't have that ability to look back because <laughs> it was set in its time. Uh, but yeah, that was the one that I really thought about. And it's like, uh, watching shampoo now, like, you know, one and a half times, uh, it really got me in the mood to, uh, to check out results again. Well, I, I think, and I would never have thought of that. And in fact, when you said it, it took me, you know, two beats to remember results. And it's like, Oh God, yeah, that's a fantastic movie. Um, but I think it's honestly more relevant today than when it came out. Probably there's, you know, an orange theory on every corner now. So I think mm. that the absurdity and the satire of it play would probably play better now than it did then. And you've got uh, Kevin Corgan that's <laughs> playing the <laughs> schlubby guy, the schlubby rich guy, maybe a little creepier. Yeah. Uh, but you know, he's, he's somehow, uh, I don't know what, did he, what would you say? Coxmanship? Uh, he, he outduels <laughs> Guy Pierce, like Warren Beatty is outdueled. It's, you know, I think it's something that if, if you're used to, uh, just watching movies with very pretty people, uh, it does take a minute. I mean, I'll own up to it. It takes a minute for me to compute that Warren Beatty or Guy Pierce is losing <laughs> to the schlub. Like, I don't get it. Yeah, that's uh, it, you're absolutely right. That's why I'm Nicky Cat, according to my younger brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but I think that's something that's, it's just honest, that it does take a minute where, and that's 
something that he in shampoo that Warren Beatty really has to drill down on to make that come through. Because if he would have played this, I think any smaller or any less broad, the satire wouldn't have worked and you would have taken him sort of, I think if he would have been doing this and he would have been in control of the situation um, and he didn't seem like he was the one that was being used by these women, it would have been creepy Mm -hmm. and it wouldn't have been an interesting film in that way, or it wouldn't have been a sympathetic, sympathetic character at all. You're saying that's uh, one area where the, uh, the character actors can rule them is that they can, (laughs) they can pull off (laughs) creepier stuff without having the, what power dynamic there that makes it, uh, uh, like too unseemly for audiences. So if you think of um, what was that movie with Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, before the devil knows you're dead. You know, do you remember the opening of that movie where he's it's, having sex with Marissa Tomei? Yes. Uh, but because talk about taking a minute to compute why or how those, those two naked forms are on screen <laughs> together. Uh, and the fact that you have Ethan Hawke, uh, you know, off to the side somewhere. <laughs> Somewhere in my brain, I'm like, hey, <laughs> we've got the flesh here, which <laughs> is not to speak what ill of the dead here with Philip Seymour Hoffman, who is, you know, probably of his generation, the, the best actor uh, in his, his class. But yeah, that, that's another one. I don't know if that's where you're going with it, but I, I remember no, no, I mean, uh, they put it right in the opening shot. We were like, whoa, okay, this is, well, this is what we're dealing with. That's where the character actor can make a scene like that work in a way that Warren Beatty in that scene, <laughs> or, or, you know, even if you take one of the contemporaries, if you would have put in, you know, Ed Norton or Ethan Hawke or one of those guys in that scene, it would have played completely different. They would have had to do a lot of work to make that scene feel as uncomfortable as it did just because of the physicality of those two characters hmm. being together. Yeah. And yeah. that's our expectation. That's kind of a reflection of us as an audience. And it does play into that. So, yeah, I think we were just, I mean, maybe the only complaint would be like, whoa, you're just getting this out of the way early? Like, you know, you can you can pace yourself. <laughs> then we'll get into the, the pretty people uh, nude on screen. But uh, <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman, we're like, okay, uh, don't do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I was far more accepting of him in uh, Happiness, where he just keeps it to his, uh, you know, verbal stylings of sex. You don't have to see any of it. Uh, well, which, he has an unusual way of uh, sticking postcards to the wall. Boy, I'm shocked that we have been doing this for about six years, and we have <laughs> never done an episode on happiness. And I guess it's probably for the best. <laughs> we've we've I, not gone there. We, I think that's a uh, that's survival mode <laughs> kicking in. <laughs> that, that, we we don't know very much, but I think we know enough that if the two of us talked about that film, that would be one for the vault. That you know that that would be the release on the day I die episode. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I can just say, give me a dollar on Patreon, and I'll give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the blowback, the, the, the cancel culture, I guess, as long as I make a buck. Uh, but no, um, see, the problem is, you know, even just in our brief excursions to spectacular now. Uh, before the devil knows you're dead, uh, you and I have this problem, which makes it uh, a good podcasting relationship, but you know, terrible as as people and us being out there roaming the world, and that we have to sort of kick everything around. <laughs> Be like, well, well, now wait a minute, <laughs> let's let's look at it this way. And when you have, you know, one of the 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 threads in that film being a uh, pedophile. Yep. 
I still like the dad. Do you remember the dad from Happiness? The one that's uh, hey, the, the patriarch. Wasn't a pedophile. The yeah, yeah the patriarch oh. of like the family, like with like I think the three sisters. The one that moved to Florida. That the. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember. That. He's he's got a nightmare family. One of his daughters, it's revealed, has is married to a pedophile. Uh, the other one goes on a, a horrible date where she, oh, God, she breaks up date. with John Lovitz. Talk about an opening God, sequence. Lovitz, Lovitz has never been better. That, that is his best scene. By his far. face <laughs> when his heart has been ripped out, being the, like the opening shot. Uh, uh, what fantastic. is it, his line about I'm champagne or something like that? So <laughs> and <great>. your shit. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I'm pretty sure I've, I've probably used that clip on a couple podcasts, even though we'll never do a happiness episode. But the the father and suddenly that, we we drifted into one. Yeah, right there now. we go. Shampoo. We've we've got to bring it down to our level. Like you know, like <laughs> sad, beautiful sexiness. Uh, we're just gonna go to the the awful shit when it comes to sex. But no, the the dad and the family. <laughs> Is getting divorced. He's like basically trying to get away from the family, like from right. all this nonsense. And there's a scene where um, he goes to the doctor and he's like, you know, how long have I got, doc? Because he's now living in a retirement community where all these single women right. want to hook up with yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it fits with shampoo. It's a guy that like, you know, he's just women are drawn to him, but he's just sad. He like <laughs> fucking just doesn't do it for me anymore. And the doc says, you're as healthy as a horse. I've never seen someone your age as healthy as you. <laughs> the very next scene is him pouring salt like just all over his food. <laughs> I love that guy. I'm so glad that's the moment you went with for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's I, it's not even self-preservation at that point. It's just that, uh, that that's the one thing I guess I can aspire to is that <laughs> – you get up there that long and you've got that much shit coming at your doorstep with uh, your family's problems. Let's just, let's just uh, run out the clock. Let's just, you know, <laughs> no timeouts, no stoppage, no fouls. Let's just, let's just get to it. Uh, on that note, I've got shampoo running on uh, silent in the background here. And we just got to the, the, the final moment here where Warren Beatty is uh, saying, Hey, let's get married. Uh, I want to have family domesticated life. Yeah. And uh, he's he's got this line that says, "I don't trust anybody but you." And how how did you take that? Because that that's the thing that was like really jarring for me on first experience, and it's one that I kind of I went back and watched that scene a few times because I think it's read as like totally earnest in the moment. But I'm like I, her, I think, and then I have no that it has no weight to me. Like when he says it, like you, you can read his face, and like if you're an alien race or a computer, you can analyze it and be like, <laughs> he is telling the truth. But there's there's nothing like to be believed from that line. I, I think it's that is his truth in that fleeting moment. Um, it's it carries no weight to it. It's it's a very empty, you know, moment. So and Julie Christie knows that she knows what their relationship was and is. Um, I think that Beatty knows that also. But he's wrapped up in an idea for a moment that he could have this life with her, but he doesn't even know what that life would look like. I, he would screw it up before the end of the day. Um, you know, cause this is essentially what, like a 48 hour period or something like that, or I don't yeah, even know how long yeah. it takes place. So it's essentially like a long weekend. Um, this film takes place over by Monday morning. He would have completely fucked it up again. So there, there's no, I think he's being honest to himself. You're right. He is earnest in that moment, but it's not real. Also, I mean, all the relationships here are very like paternal. 
with Beatty. Like all the women in his <laughs> life, they have this, you know, like it's like they're trying to replace like, uh, you know, a, a father figure. Uh, I would, I would say I would lean that direction more than the, the sort of normal mothering because it's like, they're trying to set him on a path like to, to manhood. <laughs> and it's weird from, from his like, you know, female partners, like they can look at him as this sort of sexual specimen, but like all of them seem to quickly realize that they're, they're dealing with a, a boy dealing with a child. I'm telling you, man, it, you made fun of me for getting into spectacular now, but I'm seeing a lot with that too. Like he's, this is, there's something I'm digging about these movies about inconsequential men. Well, they're, they're all using, all the women are using Warren Beatty to get back at somebody else in their life. Um, you know, for Julie Christie is using him. Um, Carrie Fisher uses him to get back at his mom and mom's using him to get back at her husband. And so, and even the husband ends up using him in the end. So it's like every character in here does use him and takes him for granted. And so it's, and I think that that's because he has a completely empty life. Um, he has no real relationships. He doesn't plant his feet down long enough um, to really do that, to have roots. And the one character that he could do that with, he doesn't Goldie Hawn, the one that does actually care about him and wants a life with him that he just takes her for granted and just using that as kind of a crash pad. It seems. There was a really troubling moment I had in my uh, youth that relates to garden state, which <laughs> <laughs> just, well, I, you can stop there. Just the movie. I knew, in general. I knew that was coming. Um, <laughs> that terrible song. Yeah. Well, which <laughs> which song? All, that, that that soundtrack, that that time period. Um, I don't but, know, Death Cab for Goo Goo Dolls or whatever it was. Let's not go back to Goo Goo Dolls because I know that's that's recent. I, I don't want that to become a recurring bit on our our show where we pick on the poor Goo Goo Dolls, but uh, you know the, the metalheads that are just totally misunderstood. Where I was talking to a guy that was probably like uh, maybe he was like five years younger than me, and we we're talking movies. And he talked about how much he hated Garden State. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know, even then when it was like relatively recent, like within the first year of its existence, I'm like, yeah, that's what, you know, don't, don't come to me with that. Like, that's not a bold opinion for <laughs> to hate on Garden State. And he said, no, it's just because like all my friends, like they aspire to be Zach Braff. Mm. And I, like, I was like, what, who would, even if you like enjoyed the film, why would you aspire to be? that character and it's he's like well you, you know you wouldn't understand it because you're, you're already like his age at this point like you, you he's like but you know like a teenager would look up to that it's like and i kind of got it like i was like oh so is this like was garden state meant to play younger like it's meant to like for kids who haven't yet got a chance to like play at being an adult it's sort of yeah it's like the blink 182 <laughs> it's like for, for punk for them it's like the little training wheels yeah, it, it's it's the mall version of romance yeah for sure but and, and i i think that there's enough distance from that movie now that it's harmless there's nothing offensive about that movie you can go ahead and file it as a lesser say anything um and i think yeah when you're in eighth grade you can look up to you know the uh John Cusack or Zach Braff, you know, sad sack characters and want to see that you see yourself in them. You're like, ah, yeah, they just, the world doesn't get him. You know, he's too pure and too whatever for the world. And I could see that making sense, but, but here no. I am almost 40, Chris, and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm on a different tier, but I'm looking up to the warm baby shampoo character. I've been like, <laughs> yeah, there's stuff I don't like about the guy, but if I could trade places with him, 
I take my shot. <laughs> Just how much of your life would you be willing to give up for that one weekend that hmm. he has? Well, it's weird though, because like, you know, I never, I, I watched it with my wife. So I definitely couldn't say that in front of her. Like, man, I wish I could be in his shoes. Uh, but <laughs> like, what did I, your wife think about it? By the way, uh, I, I think she. Well, we had a weird uh, double feature uh, that was totally by accident, but it felt like an old War Machine versus War Horse episode where the theme is like Goldie Hawn being screwed over by like stupid men because we watched uh, Cactus <laughs> Flower, which is totally different. Walter Matthau yeah, yeah. and Warren Beatty. Uh, you know, I, I think my wife could accept, uh, literally and figuratively, figuratively being screwed over by Warren Beatty, but Walter Matthau <laughs> was like a non-starter. Like, get the fuck out of my face with your lying bullshit. Um, uh, yeah, nothing against. I can't. Walter I can't. I I can't argue with her on that point. Uh, but I th I think she she had the same thinking as me, like not being like a film snob in any respect, but. Uh, just the opening and the fact that it's Warren Beatty and the time period, I think she thought it was going to be m way more of a sex comedy. And she, <laughs> I think she, she thought this is a drag and she, she's <laughs> one of the women that probably wouldn't as much as she would like to have had sex with Warren Beatty once. As soon as he started crying or started talking about having a normal life, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. She kind of checked out. She, she didn't really have much for him. What I'm saying is she's not going to be Julie Christie up on that hillside giving him one last like talk. I think she's she's someone that's like slipping out. Like, well, that was fun. Like, you know, just uh, I had my time with him, and now now it's over. Like, get out before Warren Brady, Warren Beatty cries on you, which is so smart. Have you showed her McCabe and Mrs. Miller yet? Oh no, 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 no. Well, uh, I guess what did we uh, we moved to? I think I told you this on the last time we recorded so not the uh not the awful uh mics being attacked on harold mod episode but when we actually <laughs> recorded one that wasn't five years ago the was it bob and carol and ted and alice is that do i have the yeah. names right we watched yeah, that one uh okay. and i think she just felt sorry for the women involved <laughs> <laughs> elliot gould a lot of a lot of fucking hair man so much body hair jesus <laughs> All it did was it. It didn't uh, cause my wife to entertain the notion of group sex because that didn't that didn't do it for her with all that uh, body hair. But uh, I think she wanted to check out. Maybe she did even without me. The uh, Natalie Wood, like the HBO documentary that came out within the last year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think she, I think she just felt sad that she had to be on set for this. She was just <laughs> this beautiful woman putting up with these these two indecisive men. When we did the long good night. Um, that we wasted that episode lamenting how he was the um, world's sexiest man back in 74. He wasn't shirtless, though. <laughs> that may have changed our tune just a bit, because it did mine. <laughs> I could, like, on one hand, admire it, that it's like he didn't no, There was no manscaping. Not one. None. <laughs> not one hair was being removed from his that body. 100% <laughs> But on the other hand, I was just like, that's... That that's that's a misbit of comedy in that film where the, this these two couples finally talking around it forever decide that they're all gonna fuck they're gonna get in bed together. <laughs> Someone yeah. has to be the one to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa! I didn't sign up for this. Like, <laughs> you gotta, yeah, you gotta do something about it. <laughs> I think we got there. <laughs> I think I think so. <laughs> I don't know if my uh, 
next, uh, you know, I don't know. Is it my turn? Did you pick this or are we, are we doing last I, I, detail? What are we doing next? I pick, I picked this one because I decided that I was changing this, uh, this show to, um, directed by, um, because you were never going to do Hal Ashby. So I'm just take I'm essentially kidnapping, mm. uh, projecting film and turning it into a Hal Ashby until we get through all of them. It's funny. We just uh, had a text uh, conversation, me and, uh, Dave, uh, over at a podcast directed by, and I, I called an audible on him again. So every time that that show's format changes, it's because <laughs> I'm tired of it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, the, uh, you're, you'll no longer hear over there us doing like, you know, 10 movies going through them chronologically. Uh, I'm like, what about three? <laughs> like, let's reduce these filmmakers to three. Cause I get bored with them. And, uh, I think the uh, the killer here was that uh, Dave chose Michael Bay for this month. So um, I yeah. don't I don't think that's a ten. Do you? I don't think that's I don't think ten is necessary to get um, Michael Bay. I mean, I, I guess you could just repurpose the many thousands of times we've talked about Pain and Gain. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there, there's one that's done, and you know, I would rewatch it. Don't need to talk about it again, but that's a, an enjoyable film. And then, yeah, I couldn't think of anything else that I would want to watch of his, really. Because it's just, it's a commitment. Most of his stuff is like two and a half hours long. It's not even that it's that bad. I mean, it's fine. The, the, you know what? I'll take that back. The Rock. I, I still enjoy The Rock. I could do that one. So there's two. Two solid ones. That was a Criterion, right? I think so. I think yes. that was yeah, kind of so, controversial so, at the time. That so and- was art. Armageddon for yep. some reason, two of his films. I don't think the rock, uh, got as much hate for that because it's, it's a, it's a pretty good a solid little nineties action movie. If you're going to, you yeah. know, it captures that time. Well, but Armageddon, uh, which I have watched, I watched it a few months ago. <laughs> fucking terrible. Um, I don't know. So yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. I think I'm going to, uh, I'm going to dig up our results conversation and see what that's like. Cause I'm, <laughs> you talk about repurposing this feed, <laughs> Me just putting up old conversations, uh, well, I think uh, we got the parallax view in there also, so we can eventually do like just the whole Robert Town. <laughs> so Jeez, we've we've been doing this shit for a long time. <laughs> I, I think I, and uh, I think you agree with this. Um, we've earned the right to have uh, syndicated episodes. <laughs> we've earned the right <laughs> to have clip shows. <laughs> Five five years in podcasting terms. I don't care what sort of diehard fan you are. Uh, you do not remember what we said about I this. Do, I was there, and I don't remember. Right. So, yeah, I trust you with the continuity at this point. I'll get it there. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll I'll at least you know when I I put up an, a shorter version of these things, I'll I'll reference it so it's in the continuity when the 2020 <laughs> recordings, and it'll be fine. We'll Perfect. figure it out. Yeah, it'll be good. <laughs> 